Um, so this is a part three, and this is going to be a real quick comment, or supposed to be a real quick comment, on the idea that um, just popped into my head. And that is, I'm separating out why people buy the Bitcoin token, or the little b, from the Bitcoin network as a utility. And I'm trying to make the case that that um, the token is artificially capped and scarce versus the utility that Bitcoin provides is not necessarily scarce and can be disrupted. Um, so the idea that I was trying to present is that um, the Bitcoin token value or price itself could be disrupted because of an introduction of a new um, blockchain, right? New crypto that provides the same sort of utility transfer mechanism. But that, um, that idea doesn't include, right? I didn't actually make explicit the idea that the people that are investing in Bitcoin don't care about the utility. There's, so we need to separate these two things. This was my main point I was trying to make is that we need to separate out these functions or unpack them from this package deal. So while Bitcoin is marketed as this utility token that can provide transfer, right? That can provide transactions, another way to move money, another way to move currency, another way to move whatever, money substitute. Um, it's marketed like that, but the but in my opinion, the, the majority of people who are investing in Bitcoin, quote unquote, investing in Bitcoin, um, well, I'll use their language, investing in Bitcoin, um, are not doing so for the utility to, tr to move the Bitcoin. They're doing it for number go up. They're doing it because they think Bitcoin will increase in price. And so if that is their main purpose, in theory, you could say that some competitor coming in to disrupt Bitcoin, right, to, to provide additional utility of Bitcoin, of Bitcoin's use case, of Bitcoin's utility, of Bitcoin's moving, able to move currency around, right? You could argue that that won't disrupt Bitcoin because the reason why people are buying Bitcoin is because... It's artificially scarce, and they're not going to use this language, but I am, right? It's artificially scarce. It's this token that they think will go up, provide some kind of inflation hedge. And the only reason why they think it's an inflation hedge is because it's scarce. But um, to their credit, they have provided in their marketing a reason why you would invest in Bitcoin separate from the utility, the function, right, of Bitcoin that they often market Bitcoin as to give it a justification to exist. And, and I just, this just sort of clicked in my head and I had to mention it uh, because it is a big deal because I was talking about the disruption of taxi medallions in New York from Uber and how it was artificially limited in supply, these medallions, right? But that you the utility that, that that they offered, the service they provided, 
was something that an Uber could disrupt, could come in and disrupt. And then what did it do? It tanked the value of the medallions offered by New York, the city. So, uh, because there was an alternative. Um, that is, so this logic that I presented in my part two is assuming that people are solely um, wanting or demanding these um, limited capped, right, taxi medallions for the utility because it's artificially capped and that some other service provider could, could come in eventually and disrupt that market. Well, Bitcoin has actually carved out a unique um, use case for its little b, for its Bitcoin token, that's actually unique from the utility of the network called Bitcoin, the big B. And this is a difference that I that I, I see. And I just I just want to make this very apparent that um, even though we've seen forks of Bitcoin or altcoins of Bitcoin or other blockchains, right, that 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 um, can uh, emulate or, or try to replicate the function of Bitcoin, which is, you know, moving value, right? Transactions. Um, they can do this pretty well. Not, not, they can't exactly replicate it. Right. But, but, you know, Uber didn't exactly replicate the taxi cab service. Uh, exactly. But it's similar. It functionally does the same thing. And yeah, I would argue that most, most other cryptos probably do the same thing. As long as they're, they're also listed on an exchange, as long as they they have um, you know probably certain amount of transactions actually included, right? As long as they function, I'd say then then they can they can pretty well replicate the utility of Bitcoin. But what Bitcoin has carved out for itself, and probably what what is the main reason why the little Bitcoin token still is sort of functioning, like this like outside of these competing uh, blockchains that have almost the same utility function Bitcoin is providing is because they've carved out this entire uh, narrative, this entire marketing strategy around Bitcoin, the little token that's capped, right? To be this inflation hedge, to be something that's capped at 21 million and to be this thing that is um, very different, right? That, that it's a use it's a use case for investing, but it actually is it's a, it's it's just technically legitimate. I mean, now I don't I don't prescribe to the idea that Bitcoin is is an inflation hedge, but I'm 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 basically telling you what um I'm trying to observe and describe from my opinion, right? What the the little b Bitcoin token um is providing to people. And it's providing people something separate from this utility of Bitcoin, the network. It's providing something very different than this idea that this utility behind Bitcoin, yes, it could be replicated, right? But this Bitcoin little b token, um, which is providing, quote unquote, you know, store value, inflation hedge, whatever, whatever, this is actually real. This is a real thing that the Bitcoiners like to, to talk about. And in, in theory, um, they're not wrong that, um, this, this little token is, is, is providing something different from the utility of the larger Bitcoin network. That's why I think it's so important to 
um, to unpack right the utility of the Bitcoin network from the token. And this is even a, an argument that a pro-Bitcoin guy could use, right? Could say, well, blockchain could be forked, it could be replicated, but at the end of the day, um, the little Bitcoin B can't be, right? Because it's scarce. And they do make these claims. I'm not the first one to like say that Bitcoin's unique or anything like that. They do make these claims, but I'm making this claim as somebody who's a critic, right? Who's somebody who... Um, who 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 looks at Bitcoin and sees all this marketing, right, as a utility token. Oh, it's not a security if it's a utility token. Oh, it actually has some underlying like purpose. So it's not just a Ponzi scheme or it's not just a, you know, get rich quick. So there's this default that Bitcoiners like to use, a little b Bitcoiners who are investing purely as an inflation hedge, purely as a speculative investment. They like to like fall back on this Bitcoin as a utility but in my opinion, the two should be separated. The two should be treated separately. And um, for sure, the regulators should see them separately. But um, the, the one benefit for the Bitcoiners here that I'm pointing out is that um, you, you would assume that any kind of limited supply, artificially limited supply token, right, that, that offers some utility, but you had to buy this token first, if the utility itself is not artificially capped, if someone can come into the market and provide the same utility, the same type of service, then this token itself could be disrupted. This token itself could collapse in value. What I'm saying is, yes, you could have another blockchain provide the same value. And I think a lot of people have alluded to this in the past, but that um, the reason why Bitcoin hasn't collapsed is because it has a different narrative. And it's because most people who buy Bitcoin are not using it to, uh, to use the utility function that they market it as. Like this Oslo Freedom Conference, and I didn't watch any of the talks, but I, I pretty much know what they're talking about here. They're talking about Bitcoin in third world countries offering an alternative for oppressed people to transfer their wealth either, you know, to oppose the dictatorship, uh, to exit the country, right, uh, to do something where you're transferring your value using Bitcoin. It's basically being used as a utility, as a service. Um, they like to market it like this as a humanitarian good. Uh, but at the end of the day, at least in the West, at least in the U.S., people are not using it like that. People are using it to get rich. People are using it as a limited value token and it can't be disrupted by another blockchain being invented just to serve as a utility. That's my point here is that this slide share I shared in part two, they're saying it can be disrupted like a New York City medallion, you know, taxi cab um, system can be disrupted by an Uber. Right, a hotel system could be disrupted by an Airbnb. There's another provider of the same service, and so if you're selling like a token, right, a, a medallion, like a New York City cab um, medallion, right, uh, that if there's more competition for the same utility that this token that bought you basically a way to provide the service, if there's more outside competition, then this, the value of this token should go down in theory. Now, I think this can still apply to Bitcoin because if you can say, well, you can use any of these other blockchains technically, like why would you buy Bitcoin, right? 
But if you're only buying Bitcoin for the service, which I alluded to in part two, you don't care about the price. I don't care about the price if I just want to buy Bitcoin to, to send to someone and make a short-term deal. I'm not hodling Bitcoin. I'm not taking the price for some Bitcoin, et cetera, et cetera. But if, and it's clear as day, people are not treating Bitcoin as a service, at least most people, because that's not the predominant reason why you're buying Bitcoin. You're buying it to number go up, price go up, investment, inflation hitch, et cetera, et cetera. This is the predominant reason why Bitcoin um, hasn't been disrupted from the number of altcoins, the number of different blockchain apps that provide or attempt to provide a very similar service to the utility that the big Bitcoin B network, right, the transaction service provides. And this is the reason why Bitcoin has survived, thrived, is because it's the Bitcoin little B, the token, has a completely different narrative around it. Yes, you need this little B token to use the utility. That's the connection that they use, and that's the default marketing that they'll use, right, to say it's a utility. Uh, but, but the real reason why Bitcoin survived is because this little B token has a different narrative, has a different uh, proposition, and people buy it for different reasons than the utility. People are not buying it for the utility. People are buying it because they think number go up. And that is, I'm pointing out that this is a good thing for Bitcoin, um, that it can't be disrupted by other blockchains and other cryptos, right? If this is its narrative and goal of the little Bitcoin B, but that it's also its, it's Achilles heel. And that if regulators see this as there's two different things here, we're going to unpack this. There's a service called Bitcoin, right? The utility of Bitcoin. But then there's also lots and lots of people just investing to number go up Bitcoin and inflation hedge Bitcoin, et cetera, et cetera. That is um, should, you know, if you're buying Bitcoin as an investment, that looks awfully like, you know, an investment product, right? If you're marketing Bitcoin as an investment, if you're saying number go up, if you're offering it to 401ks or retirement plans, this looks an awful lot like an investment, right? An investment. So this could be a double-edged sword for Bitcoin, but in the meantime, it's actually an advantage, in my opinion, of why Bitcoin is so successful. Now, now you could say Ethereum, um, you see, like Ethereum, like ETH, really just has the utility value. They don't have any kind of like monetary uh, goal. Like they don't really, to my, like, and I haven't researched this too much, but they don't really have a monetary goal of Ethereum. They don't really have a, a scarcity mindset with Ethereum. This is something unique to Bitcoin, which, um, you know, I think explains, let's just say explains why Bitcoin has been able to stand up so well to all these alts. And I do think it, it also it's a, it's a matter of, you know, Bitcoin was the first one. It's got brand mover, brand mover advantage here. This is what people often will quote, right? Um, yes, it does have all of that. Uh, but, but, but what does it have that other coins don't? And it's this narrative of, you know, store value, limited supply, like hardly any other tokens I know of. Um, and I'm not an expert, but I haven't heard any marketing details of other tokens specifically marketing themselves as a store of value, as an inflation hedge, as this thing that's never going to be more than 21 million of. Um, it has this narrative going for it, and it's sort of the only coin that does. 
So um, I do think this is the reason uh, why we should separate out investors of Bitcoin from people who just use it as a service and why they should be treated differently in the regulator's eyes. And I just, I thought of this just off the cuff after making that last podcast. And so I had to, I had to do an update here. So I'll end it uh, here. Um, but I think, I think it's a good revelation because it, um, it brings together the idea that, um, that Bitcoin is very unique and that it's a blockchain, but it's also this, this token and the two need to be, uh, unpacked, you know, in their marketing and in, you know, people observing and trying to understand what it is people are buying, you know, and why.